Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. Just when you think you have NCAA college basketball all figured out, you get a night like tonight. Welcome to the Screen the Screener podcast where we talk all things NCAA basketball with you. I am Mike Randall. You can find me at, at Fantasy FTSY Warrior Mike with my partner here, the wonderful, the intelligent, the brilliant Gus Kearns. Gus, how you doing? Wow, that's way too many adjectives and perhaps the wrong ones. Uh, thank you for illuminating me in such... A uh, pleasant way, Mike Randall. Much appreciated. Hey, good evening. Since it is the evening, very late evening, and it's almost morning, so we're going to say good morning and good afternoon. Thank you for your personal choice of consumption of the Screen the Screener podcast out there. We are manufacturing manufacturing this college basketball listening experience on the evening of February 22nd into the morning of February 23rd, 2017. Guys, you smell it out there. The thaw. It's just about here. The crocuses are sneaking through the softer soil. March is close out there, people. You can literally smell it when you walk outside. We aim to uh, we aim to improve your commute to and fro. Help finish that weekend project that you started two weekends ago. Find that finish line, everybody. We're rooting for you. Always thankful, so humbled, honestly honored to chat NCAA hoops with you, Mike, and our ever increasing audience. Hey, ahoy out there at 420 Grover. Keep creating, my man. And ahoy out there at PSteel74. Hold hope over there in Indy. Hold hope. Happy to have you all in. And Mike, let's get this thing rolling. Yeah, folks, again, if you enjoy the podcast and we're here, we are excited. We are now up to three a week getting ready for NCA tournament. You heard my Twitter handle. Gus is at at C Kearns, C-K-E-A-R-N-S-12 on Twitter. The podcast, of course, at S-D-S Podcast on Twitter. Email us if you have something to say. Feel free to be a producer of the show. Make a suggestion on what you want us to talk about, Podcast at gmail.com. And to remind you, your payment for this podcast listening adventure should be to go to iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, preferably iTunes, and give us five stars if you like what you hear. We're going to that, that sounds very reasonable. Very like reasonable. A very reasonable bargain. Come on, guys. Five stars. A couple clicks. That's it. You go into the bathroom. Instead of reading the newspaper, how about some five-star ratings? Anyway, moving on, folks. Here we go. News and notes from the hardwood. News and notes from the hardwood. All right, folks. We're going to start in the Big Ten, and we're going to go to one of our favorite players in the Big Ten, Caleb Swanigan. Number 14, Purdue grinds out a useful road win at Penn State 74 to 70 in overtime the glaring element here was that Purdue won on the road without a double double from double double machine Caleb Swanigan Purdue is going to have a game just like this in round one 
just like they did last year in the NCAA tournament. And guess what? This time, they passed the test. Last year was a much different story, losing to Coach Beard and Little Rock in the first round in the beloved 12-5 upset in double OT. Boiler fans, don't panic over a win like this. Just celebrate it. This is the type of game that brought sadness to you last March, and this type of win in overtime is going to bring you so much joy if they can replicate this in March. This edition of the Boilermakers is all set for March, even without a huge game from your All-American. Congratulations, Boilermakers. This is what great teams do. Purdue is not getting enough credit as a team that can go deep in March. And no, fans, that is not because I'm writing for BT Powerhouse. Purdue has won games that were close, that they didn't play their best on the road. This is another example. Purdue, 12-3 and in conference, a half a game in Wisconsin, ahead of Wisconsin, who, by the way, Gus, has a very difficult game tomorrow night at Ohio State. 23-5 and overall. They have won nine of their last ten games. The only game they've lost was the Nebraska road game, where they lost 83-80. This team has balance. Biggie didn't have a good game. They still won. Painter's rotations are great. Vince Edwards, Carson Edwards, need I continue? Oh, yeah, here comes Drago off the bench, Isaac Haas. Purdue have bigs, will travel. They're one of the few teams in the country that has a big man, or two actually, that can go on the road and get baskets under the rim. They are dangerous. They are very, very dangerous. Nice win. Listen, the mantra of have bigs will travel has never been more true than with two teams, Boilermakers being one of them and Gonzaga the other. Unbelievable win on the road. Hey, look, we, we make fun of like these seemingly easy road tests, but really, a road win is a road win. Congratulations, even if it's an OT. Yeah, and, and folks, Gus isn't going to brag, of course. Gus is a... Twitter connoisseur. His tweet that he put out about Biggie Swanigan was getting likes and retweets all weekend long. You can always tell on the account, if you follow it, which tweets are mine and which tweets are Gus's. Gus's are eloquent. They incorporate many different things. They'll call shout outs to different people, often get retweets. Mine are, yeah, how's your neck with that dunk? Okay, so, so you, can re- you, you can tell which, Both are, which are mine and which are Gus's. That's already balanced so well. But anyway, great job of that tweet, Gus. Excellent job. Again, it, I look at Twitter as like partial poetry. You got to include some cool vocabulary in there to get people's attention. That's all we're trying to do. Uh, hey, Virginia T- Tech sweats out a tough test from the Tigers, and they win a close one, 71 to 70. And by the way, did you see, speaking of shout outs, did you see that the great, the hokey great, Del Curry, was in the building? If that's not a great karmic sign, then I don't know what is. Um, Seth Allen used all those positive vibes and good karma and hit a huge three with under five seconds to play to lift Virginia Tech by one point. Tech was led by Zach Liday. He had tw- uh, he had a 19 and eight with three blocks. And remember, both Allen and Liday come off the bench for Coach Williams. Very Florida-ish. Again, Florida with Barry coming off the bench as well. Um, And similarly to the Gators, the Hokies are dealing with a mid-season injury. The Hokies lost glue guy, effort guy, banger, Chris Clark for the season. Clark was just beginning to blossom for for the Tech team, which is a very familiar trend with all Buzz Williams players. If you remember how his players developed at Marquette and then grew into great NBA players, Clark was kind of on that same track. It's sad to see him derailed a bit here by injury. If Tech wins a game in the NCAA tournament, I think that they are a safe bet for March. And somewhere, 
somewhere at ESPN, Coach Greenberg is smiling, and he's pulling out that old hokey sweatshirt just for nostalgia's sake. Nostalgia sake. Congrats to Coach Williams. Great win. Unbelievable shot by Allen. Uh, Virginia Tech, live as always. Yeah, I'm worried about Virginia Tech. I want to see them in. It's Buzz Williams' third year. He's done an excellent job in Blacksburg. Really, he's gotten this team back to a point where they're challenged on a, on a in a conference basis every game. My concern is the committee was consistent in that preview show, Gus, and they said they're going to evaluate teams based on where they are at the moment, meaning they're going to evaluate you if you didn't have a player and you just got that player back, you get a little bump. If you had a player and had a majority of your wins and then lost that player, you're going to get knocked down a little bit. That was a huge shot by Seth Allen. They are 19-8 and eight overall. They are mm-hmm. eighth in the ACC. Mm-hmm. They finish up at Boston College. It's got to be a win. Okay? Got it. Home against a tough Miami team, which, by the way, is hot as heck, and they didn't have Jaquan Newton, who was suspended three games for the old, say it with me, violation of violation team, of team, team rules. rules. Okay? Yes, very good. And then they have Wake at home, which you know should be a win. I agree with you. If they lose one of these three games, let's say they split. Let's say they're 21-9, and nine, okay? Mm-hmm. And then they go in the tournament and get upset in the first round. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough, or they're going to be real underseeded. I can see the Hokie fans. Why are we in the playing game? I can just see that coming right now with the, 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 the two 10 seeds or two 11 seeds. I like Buzz. I like Virginia Tech. It's a tough break with Clark. I want to see them in. I'm rooting for them, but that was a big shot by Allen. You can't lose to Clemson at home. You know my thoughts on that. <laughs> I, I, I thought you would go there a little bit earlier, but I'm glad that you finished. Snuck it in. Snuck it in. Ah, there we go. Number nine, Baylor needed every ounce of Jonathan Motley's 21 and 16 to hold off a feisty Oklahoma team. Motley, th- th- this this game was amazing to me. Okay, Motley had one third of his team's points. He also had five dimes. So if you do the math, he was directly responsible for half of the Bears' total points. That's what an All-American does. Now, a few pods back, we mentioned that Texas Tech had like the schematic plan to defend Motley and defeat Baylor by running constant double teams and triple teams at him. Every uh, post-touch that he got, forcing Motley to become a decision-maker and a passer. Well, guess what? Coach Drew can coach, too. Guess what he probably ran all week at practice? And I'm saying all week. He probably had the scout team run double and triple teams at Motley all week for him to prepare and get better at this and that practice paid off in this particular game. Now we don't talk coaches much here on screen, the screener, but we will now both Mike and I coach student athlete teams to success and to championships and individuals to uh, a championship and success as well. Not 13 straight big 12 titles, but still student athletes. And we notice coaching adjustments when we see them first coach Kruger has been coaching his pants off with no Woodard the past two weeks. He's changed just about everything the Sooners do to keep a game close for hopefully an execution expose in the final few possessions where his Sooners can pull one out. Always a killer when you use your lose your best player to injury. Just ask Xavier with Sumner and Blewett. Ask Creighton about Watson. Ask Duke with, with Giles and Tatum and Jefferson. Ask Oregon how they did without Brooks early in the season. Ask Louisville how they survived with a couple of games without Snyder or even UNC when Barry was out for a few games. Life without Woodard is tough, but it's nothing that Coach Kruger is going to give up on. Now, Coach Drew saw the same thing that we mentioned in the Texas Tech game, and he put his student athletes in better positions for success. The amazing coaching change with Motley and the amazing coaching by Coach Drew, the result, the stat line, the gameplay is evidence that coaching matters 
and as great coaching is happening at Waco. Yeah, this was a really impressive game for Lon Kruger. Lon Kruger is a very underrated coach, folks. You may not know this. Lon Kruger was the head coach at Kansas State. Then he was the head coach at Florida. Then Illinois. Oh, then he coached the Atlanta Hawks of the NBA. Then he was with the Knicks for years an assistant. Then UNLV, very successful for seven years. And then Oklahoma to the present. During that time, he has been uh, the reached two Final Fours, 94 and 2016. Uh, two-time Mountain West Tournament Championships, 2007-2008 with UNLV. And he won the Big Ten regular season championship with Illinois. The guy can coach his fanny off. And this was a huge adjustment. I like this one. I put it on my uh, my account. It was one of the only two I got right that day. But I, you can't give this many points because the flip side, Gus, Baylor's in trouble. Baylor, these teams, whether it's Virginia Mm-hmm. Uh, West Virginia, to a certain extent, I'm talking about style of play. Mm-hmm. Um, whether you're talking tonight with Louisville, I don't like teams that don't have a clear role for their players or have to play one specific style. What I mean by that is Baylor's playing low scoring, scoring games. That's what they're going to play. You can't give me nine and a half points. You can't give me nine and a half points between me, you, Chris Axman from the Almighty Baller. Faucet and throw in Biancardi. Okay, you can't you can't give us not because they just play too slow. They're, if Biancardi was coaching, we would have a shot. Oh, you have to get the ball every time. You or him, certainly not me. Uh, so you can't do that. You can't, Motley is all American. That's great. Lacant is very good, but he's short, and the rest of the team is just non not good offensively. They really struggle. So Baylor is a very difficult team to 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 analyze and to project in this tournament. It's going to come down to matchups. They are 10-5, and 5, Gus. They're time with West Virginia. They're time with Iowa State, your team, for second place behind the Big Self is what we're going to call it. Not the Big 12, the Big Self. Big um, Self. But I'm very concerned about Baylor because they seem very, very limited. They should have blitzed Oklahoma. No Jordan Woodard. They were up 15 or 14 points, and they let him back in the game, and that's what they do. I just think good coaching on both sides, but I agree that I agree that Baylor is being exposed a little bit and the blueprint for how to beat them is out there and people and other teams are trying to execute to that blueprint. Gus, the, Gus, the issue is Ish Wainwright and Al Freeman, you know, he's back now. They got to give him something. There's no yeah. reason that Wainwright and Freeman can't have 12 points each. There's just absolutely no reason. I want a couple threes. I want four rebounds each and they get nothing. Jolo is limited around the basket. He's fine. He's a rim protector, but they get nothing out of their wing players. Zero. And that is a very dangerous one when Manu Lacanto, who can get in foul trouble, is taking a last second shot and he's about 5'9, 5'10. It's just a problem. On the flip side of that, Sandarius Thornwell is just so good. He's so good. But you know what? He's not that good. South Carolina ran into kind of the same problem that the Baylor Bears did. There just wasn't enough help around him this particular evening against number 13, Florida. Uh, Florida takes the game 81-66. Thornwell went for his usual, like 23-10 and three steals, and he played 33 foul-plagued minutes for the Gamecocks. But someone has got to give this stud a hand here. Dwayne Notice did pitch in with 16, but if you're going to play a top 15 team like Florida on the road, you need a third scorer to win that game. And in this game, South Carolina did not get that third scorer. And also, giving up 81 points against South Carolina, that that's a ton of points. That's like giving up 70 against UVA. So Florida really ran up and down. As we mentioned before, Florida's injury issue uh, with 
uh, Igbunu being out, he is a, he is a glue guy, a banger, upfront guy, tough guy, rebounder. It's a tough loss for the Gators, but this injury is very similar, I feel, to the UNC injury with Kenny Williams. This injury leaves a little bit more time on the floor for Barry Robinson, the raw frosh, Keith Stone, or even Chioza if they decide to go small. So those options that they're filling in for injury aren't that bad at all. And Florida is good. My only concern about Florida is, will someone like Will it be Allen? Will it be Barry? Will it be Hill? Who will be that difference maker player in March that's going to win them a game? I'm not sure if they have that high-level difference maker player on their team and on their squad to win that and get that deep run going in March. Besides that, I'm in love with Florida. Yeah, tail of two, two teams right here in this game. Number one, let's start with the negative. South Carolina is in a free fall. This is a team that, of course, Thornwell was suspended for a while, so they had a couple losses. But my mantra on this podcast was, but they're undefeated with Cinderella Thornwell. That's what I said. It, all, it was a year. mantra. It was and a mantra. Look, if we're going to reflect upon last season, this is eerily similar to last season for the Gamecocks. It's a problem. I remember they go into Kentucky at that game on Saturday, January 21st. They are 5-0 and in conference. They're 15-3 and overall. They get blitzed. They came back behind Thornwell. He had a big game that game. And they lost to Kentucky. From that point, we thought they righted the ship. Home, Auburn, win. At Missouri, win. At LSU, big win. Home, Georgia, tougher than you think, win. 19-4, and 9-1 overall. From that point, Alabama, the four-overtime loss, 90-86. to From that point on, they've gone loss, home to Alabama. At mm-hmm. Mississippi State, barely won, 77-73. Mm-hmm. And then loss, home Arkansas, loss at Vanderbilt. Ugh. And lost to Florida. They're going in the wrong direction. They're really struggling. Flip it around. Florida. Great win for Florida here. No no big guy inside. Igbunu is, is out for the year. What I think has to happen is I think Mike White is smart to keep Barry on the bench. You need to have somebody that comes off the bench and plays well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chioza also coming off the bench. Keevon Allen had it going right away. Had 26 points, 13-14, makes his free throws, 3-5 of five from three-point range. He had some big shots. They have to get him in the flow a little more now because he's going to have to really put up points for them. But I have to tell you guys, I liked South Carolina. So did you. So did uh, somebody else on Twitter had written to us, said uh, we all have, um, we're all sitting there saying we like South Carolina. This was a very big win. 15 points at home against a Frank Martin team in 10 size that needed it without their big guy inside. They're finding their identity. But they have some roles defined here, and I like it. As long as Casey Hill's under control, only four turnovers this game, I think Florida's legit. Only four turnovers. I love that caveat. That's hilarious. (laughs) Hey, don't look now. But Dayton is rolling along with another win over George Mason. We're going to give them a little dab here. Um, The Flyers are 22-5, 13-2 in the A-10, tied with VCU atop the conference. This team is so balanced. And Scoochie Smith led the Flyers today with a smooth 18 points and three steals. So we talked about the showdowns in the other conferences, uh, St. Mary's, Gonzaga. We talked about uh, Illinois State and and Wichita State. We want that showdown. How about the VCU-Dayton showdown March 1st? That is going to be for first place in the conference. Uh, I'm sure some March seedings will be up for grabs there as well. Uh, but first, Dayton needs to get by Jack Gibbs and a tough Davidson road, uh, a, a tough Davidson team on the road. If they get past that, then that showdown is intact. 
Yep. And we want it to happen. We want that March 1st showdown, but they both have two huge games ahead of time. You mentioned the Jack Gibbs game. Dayton's got to go on the road. Davidson and VCU's got to go on the road at Rhode Island. So those both are tough. both tough games. We'd love to see Dayton VCU, the rematch of that game uh, that, that VCU won at home at that. I remember I told you that Friday night start at nine o'clock, whatever it was, 10 o'clock. So yeah, again, love those late Friday night games. Love it. I uh, think Dayton and uh, Dayton are in that slot again this week. Can't wait to watch it. Very good. And folks, Dayton, the teams that win in March have either tremendous talent, okay, like a team like a UNC, let's say. And they just are able to get into the flow and Meeks is great inside and Justin Jackson, people call them soft and he just keeps banging in 25 points a game and Joe Berry hits big shots and blah, blah, blah. Or teams that have mojo or teams that have players that know their roles. This is a very close team. It's a senior laden team. They got Josh Cunningham back now. They have some size inside. Scucci, Kyle Davis, Zarius Williams with the big threes. We talked about that. Cook, Pollard. This is a dangerous team. They know their roles. They know how they play. I'm gonna I'm gonna be real bullish on Dayton come the tournament. I'll tell you right now. And I like and, Dayton and, and I like Dayton at home against VCU. But th- big win for Dayton. Nice job. Really want that March first battle. Just to further your point on them knowing their roles and the success that they're finding, this particular senior class, which includes Scucci and Pollard and Cook to a certain extent, even though he transferred in. They now have over a hundred wins as a group. Think about that. It's just karma, that, folks. That's so that's that's a t- that is that is a group of players that is just their habit is winning. That's what that is. Uh, speaking of habits of winning, Wichita State rolls aces against Evansville, one hundred nine eighty three, and this team is rolling now. Holy smokes! You know what? There was a nice moment. It was senior night. John Robert Simon probably hasn't seen the court all season. Rarely used guard, hit three three-pointers in this game because he got some playing time because it was a blowout. And his teammates and his coaching staff were going bananas. Yeah, I love to More see that. bananas after each made three. I love seeing that. One was pretty deep. That type of togetherness tells you all you need to know about this balanced Shockers team. They need to be in this thing again in March, numbers aside. Leaving them out would be a bigger mistake than leaving out South Carolina or Monmouth last year. So selection committee, put them in Dayton and you have to, but find a spot for the Shockers. They're that good. And man, that was a cool moment for senior John Robert Simon banging home a couple threes on senior night for a a nationally ranked team. Totally cool. Gus, you know my thoughts. I want teams like Wichita State in over those mediocre, big power conference teams. But I am concerned. I'll tell you right now, their resume is not as good as Mammoth's last year. Mammoth went to UCLA and won. They have not beaten a major team this year. The only time they played ranked teams, they played number 10 Louisville. They lost by 10 early in the season. They Mm -hmm. played number 24 Michigan State. That's looking like a bad loss as the year goes on. They lost by five. Outside of that, they really haven't played anyone. They played Southern Nazarene as well, which I'm fairly certain is not a Division One program. Um, they lost to Oklahoma State as well. They did, and then they got blown out by Illinois State. Yes, they came back and crushed them by 40, correctly predicted by Gus, by the way. I, I'm worried. They have one more game at Missouri State. They are 24-6 and six. in conference. I believe they are 13-1. and one. I think if I have that right, 13-1 in conference. 
But Gus, if this team loses in the semifinals of the Missouri Valley, they are not getting in. And if they do put them in, I will be thrilled. I will be so, so happy. But given what we saw in that seating meeting when Butler, who's lost to, you know, got high school teams this year, they get the big wins. They have the big wins. No big wins for Wichita State. I hope you're right. I hope they're in. I want them in. They deserve to be in. Greg Marshall, this team is playing well, 100%. I am concerned. They better win the Missouri Valley. Just to further your point a bit, they have no, I repeat, no top 50 wins besides the win against Illinois State. And also, the opportunities that they had early on in the season were kind of for naught. Because if you think about it, if if you are Wichita State, and we've, you know, we've mentioned this a ton of times on the podcast, and you graduate your two best players in school history that go off to play in the NBA and play professionally, Van, Van Vliet and Baker – you're trying to figure it out in November. You don't have things on lockdown. You don't have any roles to find. You don't even know who your starting swingman is yet. So, co- uh, so the coaching staff was just trying to piece it together against those opportunities against the Michigan State and Oklahoma State. And when they did have the you know big opportunities against Louisville, they were not the team they are now then. So not that they should be judged differently. I'm, I'm not making excuses. I'm just giving real reasons that a program that's starting from scratch and then, okay, go play Louisville. Go play Michigan State with Bridges. Go figure that out without your two leading scorers back from last year. Okay, they have it figured out now. The way that they have figured out now, they're going to be dangerous in the tournament. I hope they're in too. 16-1 um, in conference. Don't want to shortchange them. It's at 13-1. They're 16-1 tied with Illinois State. And you can't tell me, Gus, that they're not one of the best 68 teams in the country. I, absolutely, I, that's, that's absolutely idiotic they if they don't get in. But I'm just saying I just don't know what the committee does. Well, we'll wait and see. Hey, listen. How about a little love for our armed forces? Earlier in the podcasts, uh, we championed Isaiah Brock from Oakland and his journey to find his way on the court for Coach Camp and the Grizz. Now, I know this isn't football, and it's a little different, but it's still among the finest rivalries in the sport. It is time to talk a little Army-Navy basketball people. So, this season has provided us with a number of off-the-charts comebacks thus far. Uh, we can go to the Stony Brook one against Albany, which was a little bananas. Of course, we need to reference Nevada's ridiculous comeback in the pit against New Mexico, which was like otherworldly. Uh, Kansas's crazy comeback in the final three minutes against a ranked West Virginia team. That was bananas as well. I bet there's a few more that we're missing, but please, let's add one more to the list, shall we? It's this edition of the Army-Navy Let's add the most recent Army-Navy game to this list of great comebacks this season. Ready? Here's how it went down. Army overcame a 25-point deficit that culminated with a three-pointer from Jordan, sophomore Jordan Fox. Fox had a career end season high in made threes. He made five threes during the game and in the huge comeback. What else do you what else can you ask for as a student athlete? Besides just going nuts against your biggest rival in the biggest game of the year for you guys. Uh, and Army did bring it all the way back with only 12 minutes to play. So they were down 25 with like 12-ish minutes to play. Fox played huge all night for the Black Knights, who are on a nice three-game winning streak behind Fox's solid play. He's averaging like 15-ish over the last three. Um, Army play-by-play man, Rich DeMarco, gave us a shout-out to sp- Place a little spotlight on this game. Thanks, old friend. We appreciate it. And thank you, Armed Forces, for taking such mindful care of our country and each one of us every single day. Thank you. Cheers. And please, enjoy the 
great sports moments like this unlikely comeback. And I hope all of our armed forces enjoys March Madness to some degree. Thank you out there. Yeah, we salute the armed forces. Thank you for what you do. You keep us safe and allow us to sit here and talk about a sport that we love, college basketball. Folks, if you haven't heard Rich DeMarco, he's one of the best play-by-play guys in all of college sports. Whether it's football or basketball, his voice is tremendous. His passion for sports is tremendous. He's extremely smart. We love Rich DeMarco. Rich, thank you so much for the, for the shout-out. This was a great comeback by Army. We're thrilled. All the best. Army basketball folks, very excited for them. Hey, and let's hope that uh, let's hope that Jordan Fox keeps balling out and keeps hitting a bunch of threes. I hope he sets a new career high, Definitely. a new season high later on the season with six made threes. Number three, Kansas inches a little bit closer to that oncoming Big Twelve title with an 87-68 win over TCU. That makes the big three for Kansas just keeps doing its thing here. Devontae Graham goes for 17-7 and four with only one turnover. Frank Mason the third hits for his usual 20. Also with only one turnover. Justin Jackson does it again. Uh, he, uh, Josh Jackson does it again. He's got 15, 11, and 4 in just 24 foul limited minutes and an injury scare. I bet all Jayhawk fans got real quiet when Jackson went back to the locker room to check on his injury. The reason this game was not as close as usual Kansas games of late is because they invited somebody else to the party. You know who they invited? They invited Carlton Bragg to the party. He had 15 and 7 off the bench. If they get a fourth contributor, Kansas this is, they are Final Four good, even with the limitations on its roster. No doubt. This was a big win for Kansas. They pulled away here. Game was close, by the way, Gus. Remember I told you about the whatever the over-under, uh, the uh, point spread in the first half was? You know it, what? It was, Again, <laughs> you're, you're insane with this. I, I can't even believe that you identified that and then actually nailed it. This, 40, this, is, out, this is outrageous. But it's just it's, – it's watching trends. It's the same reason that I know – and you're the same way with Wichita State. Ellen, you, you nailed UConn tonight. You put that one out. It's just we see teams and we watch them enough that we know. I know Baylor and I know this Jayhawk team. Although I can't pick it, but I can pick the halftime <laughs> score, folks. Uh, whatever it was, it was certainly Kansas by more than one. You would have won that one. But this is a great win. Landon Lucas has been so impressive, Gus, for them. Taking over that spot when Azubuki went down. 7.6 rebounds. Really tries to stay out of foul trouble. Mason's a first-team All-American. Jackson got the injury. Still got 15 and 11. The kid's grabbing 11 rebounds. I do not think he's 6'10 or 6'9, whatever they listed at. The guy's just a great workhorse. You're right. They get something out of Carlton Bragg or LeGerald Vick. This team is Final Four good. Nice win for, for Kansas. Absolutely. So let's hit to some of tonight's games. Uh, we, I think we have to start with the buzzer beater, don't we? Number 10 Duke gets beat at the buzzer in New York by John Gillum and Syracuse. Luke Kennard had a shot to apply pressure with just under 10 seconds to play, but his shot was not true, and it was very well contested by the Syracuse defense. That's out of Gillum's dramatics. I guess the bank was open for him that night. The Orange overcame Kennard and Tatum doing their dynamic duo thing. Jason Tatum played all 40 minutes, which is a big change, and he put up crazy numbers, 19, 13, 6, and 3 made threes. This win just might place the Orange into the field for good in March. And let's not forget another thing here. We mentioned the coaches earlier uh, with uh, Coach Kruger and Coach Drew. But both coaches here work together with USA Basketball. Both are unbelievably competitive. And both know the tricks that the other might not know about each other, uh, other coaches that are, that is. Um, I believe that this is growing into like a cool new little rivalry here in the ACC. Just when we thought that like, you know, 
Syracuse old rivalries were kind of left for dead with like Georgetown and UConn. This one might be developing into a new one. What do you think? I like this game a lot. I told you Syracuse was going to win. They yep. needed the game at home. Duke, I'm not buying it. We've, t- we've, we've discussed this. We've argued about this. This team, listen, there was a lot of oppressive stuff here. People struggle with the Syracuse zone, especially at Syracuse. You can ask Virginia about it, at least in the second half. Duke was picking it apart. Emil Jefferson Gus must have got three or four layups from that short corner all night long. Tatum's mm-hmm. amazing. As soon as you called, he's one of the best two players on the floor. Bang, he's been one of the best two players, if not the best player on the floor, each of those games subsequently. Kennard is great. Grayson Allen is a little odd. He was in foul trouble in this game. He's a little in and out. They still do not have a point guard. Emil Jefferson has to stay out of foul trouble. And Syracuse just came, kept coming. Duke is a team that's flawed. They are in trouble. The idea that you're writing Duke into the Elite Eight is absurd. I want to see the bracket. I love their heart. They play together. Coach K, they are a flawed team. You cannot tell me that they're just going to pull it together here with no inside game. Jefferson is, is marginal. It's hard work. I like the kid, but he's not a great back-to-the-basket player and no point guard whatsoever. And Allen is not scoring if he's playing point guard, which means it's Kennard and it's Tatum. And that's pretty much it because Matt Jones is mm-hmm. relegated to a defensive guy. But a big one for Syracuse. I will caution you with this, though, with Syracuse really quick. The idea that's – and Dickie V was saying this, and we love Dickie V. I mean, my gosh, he's done more for college basketball than anyone. But the idea that Syracuse at 17 and 12 and 9 and 7 is now automatically in the NCAA tournament is poppycock. Okay? 17 and 12, folks. Let's take the, through the rest of their schedule here. So they're going to go to Louisville. Let's assume that's a loss. Okay? 17 and 13. Then they got a frisky Georgia Tech team at home. So either they're going to be 18 and 13 or, God forbid, 17 and 14, by the way. They could be 500 in conference. They're going to have to win a couple games. You cannot tell me a team at 17 and 12 is automatically in the tournament. Do I want to see them in? Of course I want to see them in. Did they make a run last year? Yes. Will they get the benefit of the doubt? Of course. But, guys, this was an, a necessary win, but they are not automatically in yet. Let's see how they play. If they don't get this win, then they probably have no shot. Oh, so this out. win yeah, at least gives them an opportunity. It doesn't like guarantee them an invite, but it definitely improves their, their resume. Yep. And it gives them an opportunity at least. Whereas before, without this win, without this resume win, a top 10 win, you're not getting it. We want Syracuse in the tournament. They got cachet. We want them in. Everybody wants them in. But they just got to be careful. 19 and 12 looks a lot better than Gus than 17 and 14. Sure does. Speaking of looking okay. Did you get your eyes on this mini Maryland game, the M&M matchup? Maryland came in ranked. Minnesota came in unranked. What did your Big Ten eyes see here, Mike Randall? It was a disappointing game for Maryland. The buzzards, Gus, are circling overhead. You can hear them. Is that a buzzard? I don't know if that's a buzzard. Uh, I'm going to qualify that as not. (laughs) Definitely not buzzard. Uh, they're swarming for what I see is a terrapin carcass that's laying on the floor. Gus, Maryland was 20-2 and two overall, 8-1 in the Big Ten. They've lost four of their last six games. The problem with this is they're a young team. And I don't know if young teams bring it back. A veteran team that hits a bump in the road in the middle of the year is fine. Their biggest veteran right now, you know, in terms of impact players, Melo Trimble's a sophomore. Uh, tonight was a 14-point home loss to Minnesota. Not a two-point loss, a 14-point home loss, 89-75. This is the team that we were both worried about seeing at the beginning of the year. Melo Trimble, bad game, 4-12 at home, 10 points. I'm not blaming him. He's been outstanding this year. The issue is the freshman. Justin Jackson, Gus, who was 28-22 and in back-to-back games, points on the road at Minnesota and at Ohio State, has been anemic lately with his scoring. 3-8-6, and he exploded for 10 in this, in this game. Those are his last four games. 3-8-6-10. I love Kevin Herter. 
love him, love what he does. He's a shooter, though. He's a great shooter. He can't create on his own, and they've learned how to defend him. Maryland now, Gus, is 10-5. and five. They're trending in the wrong direction. They have home Iowa. That's a must-win. At Rutgers, tricky. Ask Wisconsin. Went to overtime. And home a- Michigan. A- ask, uh, ask Michigan. And ask Michigan, yes, who, who won tonight by four. And home Michigan State. Minnesota, on the flip side, has very quietly won six in a row. They're 21-7 overall. They're 9-6 in the Big Ten. They're in the tournament, no doubt. Uh, junior Nate Mason's been great, 15 points per game. He had 30 against Indiana in a win, 25 at home against Iowa in double OT. Gus, Maryland, Minnesota, they are trending in the opposite directions. I agree with your trending, which your direction trending. Uh, I love Nate Mason. I think he's pretty cool. I think it'd be cool to watch him in the tournament for a game. Again, you're more keyed into the Big, to the big Ten than I am. I want to see Maryland get it turned around. And Minnesota, again, they popped into the top 25 for that one week, and they've been flying under the radar since. Who knows? Another win this week, and maybe they pop back in and steal Maryland's 24th ranking next week. You never know. It's crazy, yep. Oh, huge upset. Upset alert, and nobody saw it coming, at least on this podcast. I'm sure people out in uh, Indiana saw it, but we certainly did not. I believe the words I used were, no shot. (laughs) That Butler had no shot to beat Villanova. Man. Cue the Vince McMahon music. Very wrong. (laughs) Unbelievably wrong. So Butler does it again to Nova. Much like Gonzaga doubling up on St. Mary's, the Bulldogs have now done the unthinkable. Two wins against the defending national champions with three starters back and an All-American. I guess this is just like the classic bad matchup. Imagine if Butler is a five seed in Nova's bracket (laughs) next month. How crazy would that be? Congrats to Butler and Coach Holtman. Welcome back, Keelan Martin. When this guy plays like he did tonight, Butler can play with and beat anybody. The Butler big man had 20-plus points and played like the player who make the Bulldogs able to play and beat anybody on any given night. Remember when they beat Arizona earlier this year? The Big East is a grind. This game proves it. We've been saying it all year. This Big East is so tough, and maybe we can stop snickering at Butler getting that four seed at the initial release of the top 16 seeds, and we we can just smile and say, okay, I get it now. Yeah, I still have an issue with Butler. Listen, tremendous win, and do not feel bad, Gus. I would call this, besides the early season game, uh, Indiana State, Butler, by the way, besides those early season, this has been Mm. the most shocking upset in terms of once we got into conference play that has happened all year. The idea that Villanova would not pound Butler when Butler upset them and gave them one of their two losses and at home makes absolutely no sense. Butler has been reeling 22 and 6, 11 and 5 in conference. I understand this is my own personal preference. The committee said it. You, they, they were very clear. They don't care if you lose to Centenary or Pepperdine or one of those small schools. They don't care mm. about that if you have big wins. Butler has now beaten, they swept Nova, they beat Arizona on a neutral court, they beat Cincinnati, they beat Northwestern. However, they also have lost to Indiana State, St. John's, and Georgetown, okay? So I understand that, you know, Norlander was on Twitter before we came on saying they think they're a three seed. I don't think you can put them higher than four. I don't even like them at four at this point, by the way, unless they make a run. This was Mm -hmm. a tremendous win. This is the old Damon Stoudemire, Toronto Raptors beating the Bulls twice in the year they won 69 games. Okay, this is what it is. It's just a classic bad matchup. This team could go out and lose in the first round of the Big East tournament, and no one would even sniff it. But I give them credit. I give kudos to, to Coach Holtman. Uh, big win for them. You you nailed it. Martin's back with 22 coming off the bench. I just can't understand this game. <laughs> That's all. 
And again, you you said it in the opening. It's what made, makes March and our sport incredibly entertaining to watch. You just can't guess it, even when you think you have it figured out. And those and makes those large buildings in Las Vegas, my friend. <laughs> number seven, Louisville, plays at number eight, UNC. UNC gets the win here. Joel Berry wins the big game point guard matchup over Snyder, and we mentioned this that the winner of this game, the winner of this personal matchup would win the game outright, and that's exactly what happened here. Joel Berry had 15-plus. Tar Heels win the Battle of the Boards, too, which is a little surprising. So their bigs win out for sure. Oddly enough, the Tar Heels forced more turnovers and won at Louisville's pace in this game, which is really perplexing because you felt if UNC was going to win this game, they would speed the game up, take good care of the ball, not turn it over, which is what happened. But they played directly in Louisville's wheelhouse as far as pace of play, which is really amazing. And this is another game that UNC won at a pace that's out of their comfort zone. Think of the win against UVA. This type of win will pay huge dividends in March because you know you're going to run into a matchup where your your style of play and your pace of play does not match up perfectly, and it's a differing style. You know what? It looks like UNC can handle that no problem. So if they run into one of these slow it down, back screen teams that you always like to say, guess what? They just showed two games in a row with possibly two of the top five defensive teams in the country. They're going to be able to handle it and play at a slower pace. And Jackson continues his push to reach an all-American team by team's end with another 21 points. Um, it looks like a number one seed. Smells like a number one seed. They're playing like a number one seed. Is UNC a number one seed, Mike Randall? They're a lock. They're a lock for a number one seed. There is no way they're not going to be a number one seed unless some horrific injury happens. They are one of the best teams in the country. They are balanced. They have just as good guards as Villanova, but a better inside game. The, Gonzaga's great. UNC has more talent. Uh, you know, the other one seed was Baylor. Oh, no, oh yeah, Baylor. Well, the Baylor's not there anymore. Kansas. So Kansas, they have more depth in Kansas. And they're a little better inside. UNC may be the best team in the country right now, and absolutely no one is talking about them. This was a tough game. I, I thought UNC was automatic. You know, I'm annoyed, Gus. I thought, remember, I was last game I said I thought UNC on the podcast would win this. The line went up to eight, and it, it mm. made me bite in. I would have given five. I would have given six. I just thought eight was too much. Right. I'm a little concerned about Louisville. Listen, they're supposed to be big. UNC dominated them 46-33 on the boards here. Louisville, like you said, turned the ball over more 16-12. to You know, Louisville has issues scoring too. In the they sure do. They, they, you know, Snyder's not a real point guard. Mitchell tends to look for a shot a lot. Dang Adele, he's in, he's out. They don't have real back-to-the-basket players. You know, I keep thinking that Moorhead State game they lost in round one. Was it Moorhead State? Yeah, I, it sure was. You know, I I don't like teams that are amoebas. I don't like, you know, like Virginia. You know, we don't know where the scoring's coming from. It's coming from nowhere. But we don't know. Like, I don't know how they're going to win in a game. Like, everyone has to have six. Louisville has to turn you over. They're very West Virginia-esque. They're better than West Virginia. But this concerned me a little because I'm watching them, and they're so disjointed on offense Ah, mm. good win. You know what, Carolina? Just I don't know. I felt like I had bad sushi after I watched this game with Louisville. <laughs> bad <laughs> Sorry. sushi. Yeah, I love these comparisons. Yeah, you know, I was like, ah. You know what would solve that problem if he found a way to play Mitchell and King together? I feel like King yeah, should get more good one. time on the 
floor because he's such a great offensive option. I just feel like he can't – I don't know why he can't find his way on the floor and find time on the floor to play with Mitchell. I know they're similar position-wise, but put two scorers out there. Come on, let's go. And by the way, Gus, not to be Jerry Springer-esque, I want to know what that fan said to Patino. You know it will come out, but he went bananas on at halftime, had to be held back. I don't know what that fan said. he got to score it out, but – you know, I, I, I have some ideas, but I don't think we can say it on yeah, the podcast. Yeah, not, not said on the Gee. podcast. Yeah, sorry. But I'm sorry. That's, that's me being uh, totally nosy. Sorry. Nothing wrong with being a little nosy, especially after you had bad sushis. I mean, come on. <laughs> Number six, Oregon, and Dylan, Brook, Dylan Brooks did it again. They did it again. Tie game at Cal on the road. Guess who made the big three with .2 seconds to go at the buzzer. That's right. Your guy, Dylan Brooks. I guess we need to add his name to the player of the year conversation now, right? I mean, we've been kind of holding off. We've been kind of wanting to see more. I think he's shown us enough. I think we can add his name to the list. He hits another three at the buzzer to win another game for the Ducks. I love that this is going to add even more drama to the huge matchup this weekend with Oregon, uh, with, uh, with Arizona. If they lose this game, the drama is taken out of that as far as the regular season title. The fact that they win this game at the buzzer, ah. Uh, Tension is still existing in the Pac-12 cha- uh, uh, Conference of Champions. Yeah, the, this was a tremendous win for Oregon. They are twenty-five and four, fourteen and two in conference. They're a half game behind Arizona, who still has to play UCLA. Oregon mm-hmm. has a cake schedule so far, but they still got to play at home though against UCLA on February twenty-fifth. Oregon is going to be Gus the best number two seed in the last 10 years in this freaking tournament. I'm going to tell you right now, because they can make an argument that they should be a one. Assuming UNC wins out, I think UNC will get it over Oregon. But this team is good. They they were getting buried by Cal. Rab was playing well. They were struggling. Dorsey did not have a lot of points early in this game. They found a way to win. And Dylan Brooks, between this and the UCLA shot, you do not want him taking that last shot if you're on the other team. You have to double him and let someone else take it. This team is rounding in the form. You hear me, Mark from Florida? This team is rounding in the form. As bad as I feel about the St. Mary's pick right now, I feel very good about Oregon. A great, great road win. Don't give up on your St. Mary's pick yet, Mike Randall. Hold hope dearly like we do here at the Screen the Screener podcast. Come on now. Oh, I'm sorry. The, uh, Landell's on the bench with three fouls. I, I'm sorry. I didn't hear that. What was that? <laughs> he must have had some bad sushi, too. <laughs> hey. Uh, are we going to take a little walk down Broadway? What do you say? Yeah, let's hit Broadway, baby. On Broadway. People really liked the uh, cigar is a cigar, plot is an plot, whatever that meant. I have no idea. I hope you like that title, folks. The titles come sometimes 2, 3 in the morning, so they could be a little sketchy. I think we know what this one's going to be already, but uh, I'm going to lay down in the chair. Let's do it again. Gus, we've been on a roll here. We've been, we've been hot. Uh, you with the fishy lines, me with picking 500 games and trying to stay above 500. Let's see what we can do. Let's give the people, uh, give the people what they want. Laying down. Here we go. Very good, Mike Randall. Uh Memphis is going to head to Cincinnati. Cincinnati is favored by 12 and a half points. Does Diedrich Lawson and Memphis have a chance on the road against a stout defensive Cincinnati team? Do not bet this game uh, based on this. This is a heart pick. I know when it's a heart pick. Cincinnati's blowing them out. But 12 and a half is a lot. Do with that what you may. I love Mick Cronin. I love the Bearcats. Balance. Everybody. Defense. 
I'll take Cincinnati. They also probably want to hold court, uh, so they have a chance to win the outright uh, uh, title with SMU. So I think they need to hold court here, but 12.5 is a lot, and they will slow it down. Um, that's an interesting line. Yeah, about- oh, very quickly, Gus pointed this out if you were paying attention on Twitter. Sorry, i got to give you some props yeah. here, bro. A great betting angle this time of year is senior nights. Oh. I remember this last year. We weren't fortunate enough to be doing the podcast last year, so I want to mm-hmm. get it now. Gus nailed it with Wichita. I don't know if this is Cincinnati senior night. I have no idea. But, folks, you, you look at those senior nights because the senior nights tend to be really big rah-rah nights for the home team. So don't be afraid of big lines during senior night. Just throwing that out there. I have no idea if it is, but let, let me lean back on the couch. Very, very good. I, I like the input. Uh, let's get your Big Ten eyes on uh, Nebraska at Michigan State. Right now the line is at minus six. Does that sound about right, or is there something a little fishy, a little odd here? I'm uh, 0-13 on Kansas and Michigan State bets the last two years. I'm not commenting on this game. <laughs> very good. Well, look up from the couch then, Mike Randall, and take a peek at the comment sighting. Number five, UCLA is going to head to Arizona State. Uh, UCLA is favored by 12 points. This is screaming blowout. I don't know why the line is this low. After UCLA beat up on USC, you would think the line would be a little bit higher, but I guess Vegas knows. You always mention those tall buildings. I love UCLA UCLA double-digit win here on the road. Uh, I'm going to say how about UCLA by 17? Yeah, road games make weird things. It's illogical. They're very, very rare that a team's going to win by 20 on the road. It's just very difficult to do even in the mm. Pac-12. I agree with you, though. UCLA's great. You know I'm on them. By the way, I'm just thinking out loud. UCLA's are really good, too, as well. Um, this is going to be a great tournament. I'll take UCLA. I think they they, they, they passed a big test with that. That Oregon game was huge. Um, they're going to be good. I'll take it. You know what I'm looking forward to in this game, too? I want to see what Arizona State pulls out from behind the curtain. You know, their thing is like when the kids are taking foul shots, they have like the, oh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the reveal curtain. I want to see what, you know, hijinks they have. Yeah, very good. Love the reveal curtain. Throw uh, Lonzo Ball off when he's shooting foul shots. Yeah. Number 16, Wisconsin is in trouble at Ohio State. What do you think? It's simply up to Nigel Hayes. It's really that simple. If we get the Nigel Hayes, who's going to be aggressive, who wants to see his team win the Big Ten, who wants to get his team a high seed, they win this game easily by 8 to 10 points. If we get passive Nigel Hayes, who's trying to make sure that Zach Sherwalter gets some shots early on and doesn't realize that Bronson Kading is on one leg, and you know, if, if that's what we get, then fine. It's really that simple. You tell me, you tell me, Gus, what Nigel Hayes' line is going to be. No offense, Vito Brown. And I will tell you whether they win this game. That's it. I have no idea. And I'm also covering it for a BT powerhouse, by the way. Uh, well, we can't wait to hear your insight and read your insight <laughs> a little bit later. Number four, Arizona welcomes USC. Is this a danger game for Arizona? Is this a look-ahead game? Arizona doesn't blow anybody out. I don't know what this line's going to be, but I'm going to take the points. Arizona doesn't blow anybody out. They're really good. They could play the Cavaliers and beat them, but they won't beat anyone by a lot of points. And USC needs this win. Boatwright, going to be a tough matchup. Take the points, whatever they are. I'm kind of with you there. All right, bartender, double shot, please. WCC style. Number 20, St. Mary's, heads to Pepperdine. They are favored by 18.5 points. Does that seem a little high for their pace of play? Uh, It does. It does. They've played a lot of low games at home. I think it was one against Portland. It's a lot of points. A lot of points on the road, folks. And you know where Hackman's going to be. So that's a lot of points, Gus. That's all I got to say. 
Second shot, number one, Gonzaga goes on the road to face uh, San Diego. No line in this game yet. I'm just going to say keep the ball rolling, Gonzaga. And listeners out there, if you had not had a chance to view these guys, dial them up on Watch ESPN or whatever is on your cable package. They are definitely worth a watch. Please give them a little watch. Uh, Gus, very simple. Zags by 50. Checks on the table. Therapy's over. Zags by 50. (laughs) Wow. Payment in full. I like it, Mike Randall. Uh, It's the cash. Don't cash it till tomorrow, though. <laughs> fair, fair enough. I understand. I, hey, I understand how things work. Friday, uh, we mentioned this game earlier. Dayton goes to Davidson. Can't wait to watch this game. I bet my boys uh, AJ, Hank, and Scout will be locked in on this game, too. Mike Randall, do you have a feel for the Flyers versus Davidson? No, the heart game. Don't don't bet this one, guys. Love Dayton. But don't, this is a heart one. I, just, I love Dayton. I want to see them play VC on March 1st, and both teams are battling for the uh, regular season title in the A-10. How about Siena heading to Monmouth? King Rice and the guys going to lock it up at home? Win streak is still intact. They're rolling, absolutely. Last one, Princeton. Do they get tripped up at Columbia? I'm thinking it might be a little bit closer than you think. Closer than you think, but Columbia's been a little disappointing. I'll take Princeton. But yeah, I think with four minutes left, it's a tie game. Ooh, that's worth watching if you're an Ivy fan. Calling the doctor, Dr. Tony, where are you at? Hey, listen, thank you so much, listeners, for hanging in there with us. Hope that we carve out a little time in your week and we make that time a little bit more useful, a little bit more entertaining for you guys. Thank you so much for tuning us in, dialing us up, uh, and put, plugging us into your earbuds. Uh, thank you, Belljar, for taking us in and out as always. And thank you, Technology Department, for giving all the bells and whistles and making sure the sushi is fresh. Technology Louisville's bad sushi. Listeners, enjoy the rest of the games this week. Tune in on that Friday night game. Thank you so much from Screen the Screener. Enjoy the games out there, people. Screen the Screener. We're out. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.